Welcome to the Genius Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McBride, and in today's conversation, I am speaking to Kevin Morris. Now, Kevin is an international angelic Reiki master teacher, life coach, and best-selling author. He teaches workshops globally and has helped heal thousands of people from emotional traumas, anxiety, and depression. Kevin has tools proven to change people's mindsets and help them to have a more positive approach in life. He also has a deep empathy and compassion and ability to connect with people, which was accelerated by some of his traumatic life events, which we touch upon in this podcast. And one of those including a near-death experience in 2017. And in his words, the depths of his despair became his greatest teacher, enabling him to turn his own life around and self-heal. His book, Healers Aren't Holy, from Jack the Lad to Spiritual Healer, captures his rapid transformation. And he's known as keeping it real while holding his sacred safe spaces. Now, I've known Kevin for a number of years now, when he joined one of my courses and then I went on to have some angelic reiki with him and since then we've become friends which is why I was excited to get him on today. So let's get to it. Hi Kev. Hi Sarah, how are you doing? I'm great, I'm excited to have you on today. So been looking forward to this since we had a chat a couple of weeks ago and you know how your life's taken some amazing twists and turns at the minute I thought you definitely a good person to to get on and you know from our journey together we've known each other for a few years now and originally met when you'd attended one of my courses and then you know we become friends I then come to you for angelic reiki and yeah I know you've got a big story behind you so we thought let's dig into that and share because I always talk about the shadow work and, you know, one of my things which I speak about a lot is about not bypassing the the shadow to talk about love and light all the time. We and, and, you know, and I think this is just personal. Angelic Reiki, some people may think, oh, that's all just love and light and fluff. But then mm-hmm. when you speak to you and your journey and, you know, the journey that you've been through, through the underworld and the shadows, and then even your book, Healers Aren't Holy. You know, I think it's an amazing opportunity for my audience to hear more about this and really delve into the shadows. Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me on, first and foremost, Sarah. I really appreciate it. And, um, but yeah, so a little bit of background about me, just a normal lad growing up in Liverpool. Um, and obviously, you know, go going through your, your own trials, tests, tribulations, trauma. Uh, I had a lot of people close to me passed away from young deaths, uh, like my cousin, who was, uh, was like a, a brother to me, and we went on a night out together. He was only 16, I was 18, and he got killed tragically uh, through no fault of his own. Um, he was trying to split a fight up, and he was punched in the road, and, and a car ran over him, killed him. Um, as you can imagine, that affected me massively as a young oh, man. Yeah. Um yeah. You know, that, that was my first panic attack going back into work two oh. weeks later after we I carried them at the funeral. Did you witness Did you witness that happen on the night? Uh, well, I'd literally just got in the first taxi. It was it was so um so guided the way it happened. It was 
six of us behind and four running ahead. So I had my head about me and ran ahead. And I said to my friend, will you look after Graham? He looks a bit tipsy. And I hugged him and he said, I love you, Kev. And then I got in the first cab and because they were left behind, there was a little bit of argy-bargy outside the club. And Graham wasn't even a fighter and he tried to split something up and the guys turned on, on my cousin. And um, I did get the phone call. Um, I did try and ring the hospital and stuff. It was it was horrendous. Um, and yeah. Obviously, due to the trauma, he couldn't have an open coffin. Um, and I was asked by my auntie, um, as there was only my auntie and, and my mum, small family, and uh, I was the eldest of five grandkids, and I was asked to carry him to represent our side of the family. Mm. Um, so that was an honour in itself. And and obviously that same year, you know, he died in February 95, and in the June 95, I met the first love of my life, um, and... Yeah, that, that wasn't um, obviously started off very well. Um, I found out after three months um, she was pregnant, but she was longer than our relationship period at that moment. So she, so we did go our separate ways in a in a pregnancy. But when she gave birth to the child, um, she asked me to be the baby's godfather. So I, I, after a week old, um, I asked her, "Do we want to have another go at it?" And I read Laura, the eldest. Um, six and a half years and have my youngest well my partner's youngest daughter but my first child megan and um yeah so and then she she crossed she crossed over she died um my first love died when um when she was only in her mid-20s so that that was wow. a massive shock That's as well cool. yeah, I didn't, yeah I didn't so know that. yeah so so th- it was all it was just like trauma 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 mm-hmm. and obviously then i decided to Obviously, moved to Manchester. I, I took to the party lifestyle, even though I was a great father to to my daughters. Um, in hindsight, what happened is when they go away over weekend, the weekend I didn't have them. Um, I would then go out with the boys, party lifestyle, but that become like an addiction in itself. Mm. That was my escape route, escape from my reality, and yeah, but it got very heavy that the drinking and the drugs and. And um and then obviously it, it just takes you on a long and winding road and um you could just see with past even like uh, photos, family photos, it was just it's like I was dead behind the eyes. It was just like my light was diminished. Mm. And then um and then obviously I moved back to Liverpool after ten years and uh, and you know, started back up as a truck driver again and just, just being a normal working man, looking after my daughter. My youngest daughter to the first relationship, and um, and then basically I had a near death experience in 2017. I was taken out my body. I was confronted by some entities, shall we say, not of the light, and uh, I I was given the choice though to go home to heaven, and um, obviously, I I declined the choice and was shown back and escorted back to my body in my bedroom. And um and then obviously decided to to turn my life around, um, walk the path of sobriety. Mm. And then in March 2018, I was attuned to Angela Reiki. I was still a truck driver at the time. So do, do you believe that that outer body experience was putting you on the path? Mm-hmm. So it felt like the choice was more about choosing to go to heaven or choosing to live in heaven and on earth basically 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, to be honest with you, Sarah, we could go really deep with this. So much what happened when I was outside, uh, out up in, in the astral. There was even a talk of me, if I did decide to go home, they had a walk-in ready for my body because mm -hmm. the story of Kevin Morris needed to be told. Wow. From trauma, addiction, and obviously be, becoming a light worker. And as you know, since I was attuned, I've, I've, I've attuned and trained probably a thousand people globally. Um, and I've Amazing. helped thousands of clients globally. Mm. Um, I've traveled to America, Canada, Spain, mm. even closer to home, Scotland, Ireland. I've been asked to go back to Spain, hopefully in the summer as well, to teach. So, you know, the, the, the angelic Reiki was the tool that I used um, to take it from, like you say, airy fairy to to actually know this stuff actually works, you know, working with yeah. people's energy fields. And once we clear our energy field, that's when obviously mentalities change and mm. addictions go from high to low. And yeah, so there's a lot so, more to it. So when, because this is interesting for me, because obviously I've had outer body experience as well. But So when, when you had that experience and there was a near-death experience and then you came back, what was the turning point from coming back to then going and being attuned in Angelic Reiki? How did you know what happened? Do you know what the funny thing was? I was actually, before I got took out my body in 2017, I was actually trying to walk the path of sobriety and then I'd fall off the wagon. But I was constantly praying. Mm. On a Monday morning going into work, please, God, take this away from me. It's like I had a monkey on my back. And I did actually get a visitation in um, in the October by an angel in the middle of the night. And he showed me face, really light-filled. Um, it was actually my Facebook uh, picture at the time. But it looked so light-filled. I looked... I actually look more grey like I do now in 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 the hair area, um, and he's just said to me, Jan, uh, January, Kev, January, and I had green energy flowing over my body, and I knew that that was Archangel Raphael that had come to me. So I'd already been given a heads up. It was already written mm. in the stars, but obviously going through that near death experience, they had to take me out of my body, show me certain things. Mm. And when I got back into my body, I obviously had massive visitations from like Archangel Michael, Raphael again, Yeshua came to me. So it was like, you know, deceased loved ones came to me. So I knew I'd already booked the Angela Reiki course in the November 17, but they had to do what they had to do in the December to get me energy field ready in order okay. to on that journey and by the January 2018 that's when I did walk the path of sobriety to go mm -hmm. on to do it and then did you notice when you become attuned to Angelic Reiki did you notice any palpable shifts in your body as well as your energy field yeah um to be honest with you like the course itself was absolutely phenomenal like I couldn't believe what I was seeing what I was feeling um but you know in a nutshell um, it just it was actually a, a realization of the power that we possess through these clearings and attunements. It was absolutely mind blowing when I was working with one to one clients online. Um, you know, I had a lot of clients in America because I was in spiritual groups, and the feedback I was getting, I was like, wow, this is like true miraculous work. 
the, the van was working through me with the with the healing angels and the ascended masters and and it was for me it was like it was real magic in mm. my eye. That's the way it was like I'd found my power because we've been indoctrinated in a system where we're led to believe that we're, we're powerless, but mm. we're not. We're actually very powerful, and that's 100%. when I realised, you know, I actually got my power back through going on that course. So that yeah, that was your empowerment tool to bring everything back and realise. Re remember. So out the remembrance of who you truly was. Yeah. So did you have to do because once you, you know, trained and, and you're having these experiences and you can feel your energy shifts, did you ever have to revisit? Because that's that's some trauma that you've been through at a young age. Yeah. What you were yeah. speaking I mean, about. Yeah, I mean I think focusing on service to humanity was like my new thing, you know, from going from party addiction to focusing on service of humanity. But when I got on the path of being an angelic making master teacher, I was still getting majorly tested with relationships. It was bringing up past traumas. Um, you know, I wrote about it in my book. Um, so when you think that you've healed stuff mm. and then all of a sudden you fell head over heels in love with someone, and for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. And then COVID hit. It was like, I couldn't even go back to the job that I love because my treatment room was shut down. Um, and basically, in a nutshell, it, it, like my past addictions come, come up for healing and I fell off the wagon. I wrote about that in my book. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was like, you know, the, definitely getting presented to me to do the shadow work. And, uh, you know, I've been through some stuff even recently, the last year. And that normally probably the old Kev would have went on a cycle of self-destruct. But to be honest with you, um, I actually feel that I have dealt with it a lot more in my power mm. this time around. And, and um, like I was explaining just before we went live, I just feel like there's been a massive timeline shift now. Like I've just been dragged from one timeline and put onto another. Yeah. And um I just feel so much more at ease and just trusting the process now rather than going into that old energy of trauma. So in the past you would have went back to those cycles and mm. then you feel like the more your energy is clear and the more your energy is ascending to, mm. to a different frequency. Yeah. And the less those Almost them negative thought forms and, you know, the cycles can stick to you, really. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, like, for me personally, like, everyone has their own opinions with regards to being a social bunny, um, you know, drinking or whatever. But, like, for me, I, it was like I push it away like I was separate to me. Mm. And then if I did have the trigger, I probably hit it ten times harder. Yeah, but the way I look at it, it's all oneness, and you know, like the yogis say, so you think you've battled your addiction. So, what I lay down to you now is go into a pub, go mm. and have a few pints, and then when you get up the next day, then tell me if you've battled your addiction. Because yeah. if you go, I've had, I've had me fill, I've had a few pints, 
and now I can go another few months without a drink, yeah. that for me has battled your addiction. Oh, 100%. Like, I know because I, you know, in my 20s, I was more drinking and, you know, recreational drugs and all of those things. And then when I got to 30 for me, it was, I'm going to, I'm going to go teetotal. Mm. And then I think I did it for like 18 months, but then it, like you say, it was, mine was coming from a lack of integration. So mm. it was more, I'm pushing that thing away from me rather than it's integrated into my life. So now, you know, I'm 43 now and I'll have the odd glass of wine if I want it when I want it mm -hmm. I can be around people drinking I've been on nights out with people drinking and I don't need to drink it's not something I need in my life or desire and then mm -hmm. if I do you know have a glass of wine I mean I always regret it the next day because I'll always feel sick but there's no desire to go the next day and drink again and you know that's mm -hmm. because it's almost like it's it's integrated within me and it's interesting I don't know whether you get this but I've been I went on a um it was me a night out with me gym, so me for me personal trainer. He did this night out, not Christmas gone, the one before. And I remember a really uncomfortable conversation come up. It wasn't uncomfortable for me, but because I wasn't drinking, everyone around me was like, You're not gonna have just one glass of wine. And I was like, I don't really feel like it. And I'm not I'm not a drinker really. So what you know, I don't need it. And they're like, but why? But why? And then the questioning of like, well, what you know, like as if you can't be in our gang if you don't drink. And that's what it felt like. And for me, it was like, I just don't want it. There's no desire. Yeah, exactly. And you can see how people, you know, perceive it as well as this tool for mm. socialising and how you can be ostracised from groups if you don't participate as well. I think balance is key, isn't it? You know, if there's a special mm. occasion coming up, and, uh, you know, weddings, friends get together, you know, should, why shouldn't you be able to go out and be mature with it? And, mm. you know, because like I say, yeah, I've, I always associated a bender, as we call it in Liverpool. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trauma connected. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you can be sociable and, you know, I always say, you know, even like diet, whatever it is, I've done vegan, I've done veggie. <laughs> and my body screams out for meat again and it's just you know and and i just you know if someone offered me to go out for to watch the football i, I will I'll, I'll have a couple of pints with them but like you say it won't go on a five-day bender yeah. you know but I, I do generally keep my, my energy feel clear now for the work that i do mm. but then if i was was to go out i probably wouldn't do no healing work for about a week after it yeah clear get my vibration back up maybe do some yeah. fasting and uh, cleanse myself that way so but, um, but, yeah, so I think when we feel that we're, like you say, ostracised from it, it, it does become a problem as well. Um, I think it's just a, in, about in, integrating the oneness on the planet. Yeah, no, I agree. So mm. would you say that's a big part of your work now, that integration from walking the path that you've been on and seeing mm. the darkness? And also even, you know, your cousin was a result of something that's quite dark, you know, that within mm. people's psyche. Mm. So, you know, that darkness that's within people's psyche that wants them to fight. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, I just I just I'm here to live my life. Um and you know, I can do the breath work, I can meditate, I can get up in the hills and do some cold water, whatever it is. And then obviously, you know, if if there is an occasion 
uh, and I feel drawn to it. I will. I'll go on the occasion, mm. and then obviously get back to to doing what I do. But yeah, I think I think it is. I think it's it's about recognizing that we are integrating the light and the dark, and as mm. often you'll be able to transmute it anyway. Yeah, a hundred percent. That for me, that is what life's about: integrating both, both mm. parts. And you see something on social media the other day, and um, someone had posted, you know, not many. I don't know if it said spiritual people talk about you know the dark in the way that they talk about the light at all, love, light, you know, happiness, positivity, and I get the frame of where they're operating from with the positivity and the reprogramming the mind, but not love, light, and fluffiness because it negates our emotions as well and what we're actually going through. And for me, it's important to be able to express those darker emotions and it's a you know we should be able to express anger and all of these other emotions that we're going through to be able to make peace with them and also to befriend those and why they're there why are we feeling jealous what's the part of me that needs to be looked at why do we feel envious what part of me needs to be looked at so then you can commit to bettering yourself as well and feeling good about yourself but you can't do that by bypassing those exactly and it's even when i set my intention you know um when i set my altar for teaching angelic reiki for the weekend i always like candles for the dark darkness mm -hmm. as well and i ask the ascended masters whom calling in to shine our love and light towards them to show mm -hmm. the compassion and empathy and uh, because they're obviously you know, residing in them realms to mm. whatever uh, has been done to them as well, whatever trauma has been inflicted yeah. on them. So they, they need our help more than anyone. They're not, well, a, you know, it's like it's like getting on a plane. We're not going to, uh, no one's going, getting taken off on that plane until the last person's on. It's the same with the ascension. Mm. You know, we've got to get these souls on, on up into the higher realms as much as we can. Yeah, definitely. And, it's like that's like when people try and do um spirit release work and when people talk about spirit releasement and and for me what I was trained in and what I do is totally different and for me it's you know there's no casting out entities you know leave the body and be gone and all this that that doesn't that that doesn't happen it's not about that mm. it's about understanding. Empathy and compassion. Why are you here and what you want? What are you teaching me? What's mm -hmm. the soul contract with me? What am I learning? But also, what's your needs? What what needs to happen? And from that space of empathy, understanding, and compassion, breaking that soul contract, and you know, sending them on with love or transmuting them with love to where they need to go. And that's the bit I always think people where people trip up because. It's this, you know, they think that this big demon slayer and they're going to come in and they're going to do this and that. And it's like, that's actually not how it works. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that from not just myself, but also with loads of clients that have come to me as like a last resort where, you know, I'm getting persecuted and this is happening to me and that's happening to me. And I've been to this person and that person and they've all tried similar techniques and it's not worked until... Of, you know the last stop is of let's let's understand what's going on so mm. that what you just said that you know to me that makes perfect sense yeah i mean if you don't mind me touching on even the book cover on my book yeah. i mean if you can see it's called healers aren't holy mm. 
I was taken into the shadows out in the astral and then I did pray and Archangel Michael came for me with Jeshua. Mm. Um, so it is about, you know, putting the darkness into the light, but we've got to understand the darkness, like you say. And I will sit with them. I would sit with them in the shadows. And, mm. you know, that's when I was going through me awakening, I was surrounded by a lot of dark souls. Yeah. They were actually making themselves uh, appear to me. But I was actually telling them it's okay to go back to the light. And I had compassion for them. Mm. I, I wasn't afraid of them. I actually, I was actually sending them love, you know? So, yeah. So, what's next for Kevin Morris? Because what you said to me is, you know, the, the journey of Kevin Morris had to continue. And that's why, you know, there was a walking going to come in and continue this incarnation for you if you didn't fulfill it. So what is next? Because I know you've taught all over the world. You teach other teachers. That's mainly what you do now. The angelic race is teach other teachers and attune other teachers for them to go on and teach you. But what is next? Like, what are your plans now with that? So... Like I say, there's been a massive timeline shift um, this last 12 months. I think it was actually sitting with me shadow and being aware of the old programming, um, you know, and and sitting with it and being okay with it and healing it. And then all of a sudden, uh, I've just had a massive timeline shift where I feel like I'm, I'm now going to be going to live off grid in North Wales. Amazing. And I've also just today uh, had an interview to be a residential support worker for young teenagers who've come from trauma and broken homes. Mm. So I feel like I'm going back to help them, give them yeah. the tools. These are going to be our future. These are going to be our future light workers. Yeah. I've been dealing with a lot of adults yeah. um, and I still do. I've got a couple of clients booked in after after this podcast. I love working with adults, but I feel I, if I can go back further and get yeah. these young 13 to 16-year-old kids and give them the tools, they're going to be formidable, absolutely empathetic, compassionate towards humanity more than ever. So yeah. that's where I feel like I'm being guided. Um, I'm actually still teaching as well. I'm, I'm willing to travel. I've got a caravan. I'm willing to travel around the UK, even Europe, and you know, beyond um, to teach angelic Reiki. I do teach the majority of my workshops in Liverpool, um, but I'm going to be floating about North Wales as well and um, just just staying in the moment with it, really. And mm. and like I say, I just tap in and check in with my creator and just say, where would you where, where do you want me? Mm. You know, where do you want me in service? And that's it in a nutshell, really, just being present with it and go wherever my guidance tells me. So more, would you see yourself now as more free-spirited to be able yes. to move on to where you need to go to? Yeah, so like I've given up healing centres. Um, there's no car finances. There's no mm. um, new around me net paying someone else's mortgages or got a mortgage. It's just, mm. just being free-spirited. And um, as long as I've got my tools, which, you know, I integrate the attunements. I've got, you know, some bits and bobs that I need to carry with me to yeah. do events, etc. But apart from that, yeah, I'm just a traveling teacher come slash dealer. Yeah, because you 
you'd had all of that, didn't you? And up until, was it, when did you let go of the healing centre? Um, it was October 2022. Um, I gave it up to go to Spain. Um, but obviously, you know, when we make plans, God laughs. I always say that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and then obviously, but it all had to happen for a reason. And, uh, and then obviously, um, so many months after that, um, I walked away from a relationship to do where the house was and uh, paid off my finances and, you know, laptop bills and everything else. And now it's just, mm-hmm. just me and my, uh, like you say, nature and I'm floating about. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's like to me, you've heard the call, you've listened to the call. Mm-hmm. And the call is you're not meant to be here no more. You're not meant to be in this one place with this one centre and doing this same thing. Because I know I got that. And, you know, obviously, you know, I had my wellness centre, healing Mm. centre for uh, six years. And I closed the beginning of lockdown. So when was that? So very early 2020. Mm. And for me, doing that, expanded me in my way letting that go and saying I'm not going to have a base and I know obviously I've still got a home here and everything else like last year I I travelled I think I travelled I think it was 10 times or 11 times Mm -hmm. something like that like I was travelling to you know different countries even weekends away whatever that looked like I felt like I was on a flight Mm -hmm. you know every every month I was on a flight and I look now at like my life from then to now and I just followed the signs, I followed the calling and I was like, it's time to to let this go. And then I know that massively expanded me and also, you know, work online. But I have even clients who fly over from different countries to have, you know, personalised retreats with me as well. So as I've been to some other countries, so I know from my experience you know, what's available to you now as well as you've just made this move. And, you know, I know you're you're probably more committed to me by getting a caravan saying, I'm going to travel to France, Spain, wherever people want me, I'm going to go. You know, that's, you, that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. And even throughout the UK, I've already got a couple of yeah. jobs booked in Whitley Bay. I'm going there at the beginning of April. And one of our friends, Soph, she wants me to go to uh, Nottingham. Oh, yeah. in oh, okay, yeah. So, um but yeah, so and I've got a few others down south want me to go down there, just trying to put it together now. So, but yeah, most definitely, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Variety is yeah. the spice of life, as they say. Yeah, definitely. And you do you feel like from just just your journey itself, like everything that you've just talked about that you've been through and the, and the darkness that you've had to endure to get to here, would you change any of it? Not at all. And you know what? There's no mistakes in life. You know, like a friend of mine said, there's only mistakes. You know, how many times did it take them to, you know, try and invent the light bulb? If they would have stopped on 50 times, it would never have been invented. So we just keep going. And, you know, as you say, the law of physics, the universe is always changing molecules and manifestations. Mm. So you just got to flow with it and be like water and just mm. flow with it feels like you're very open right now yeah and and you seem happier than when i spoke to you a few weeks ago about how 
the direction as well. I mean, not saying you wasn't happy then, but there's just a big shift energetically for you in the last few weeks, it feels, where your life's going. I don't know, the, the support work, it's only part-time as well, isn't it? So it's still freeing you up to do a lot of your teaching and not move off the path of that angelic reiki. And also, you know, when we were speaking a few weeks ago, one of the things we were talking about was you don't just do angelic reiki, you do the coaching, but you do the integration of the darkness and the light. You know, it's not just that within itself, it's it's the coaching as well, isn't it? And mm -hmm. helping people to understand the aspects of themselves rather than reject them. So what are the darker aspects and how can I integrate those aspects into my life? Exactly. And I think it's uh, also understanding a bit about the, the soul's journey as well and the reason why we come to the planet in the first place. You mm. know, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. And mm. uh, I think once you have that mentality, um, I think everything else, just surrender and be in the flow. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When was your first spiritual experience, shall we say? Um. Well, I, I wrote about it in my book. I was visited by um, a coachman uh, in 1800, 1900, the tire, me and my brother, was sat in a flat in Tubrook, an old flat, um, and we were eating crisp butties. <laughs> Scouse. <laughs> Liverpool <laughs> thing for and you. Was, uh, this, this entity stood over us with a lantern, with a big raincoat on, grey, gone face now. Um we both knew it wasn't our imagination because both of us looked at each other and both of us screamed. So that yeah. was our first um, spiritual experience. Obviously not the most um, <laughs> happiest experience. But How old was you then? I must have been about four, five, something like that. Young. Oh, really. So, so really young then? Yeah, really young. Yeah, so um, what I'd say, the aha moments of going on, you know, doing some soul searching, was reading a book called The Other Side and Back by Sylvia Brown. Um, that was a couple of years, a few years after Graham had died. And then she talked about blueprints and the reason why we come to Earth. That was like, wow, this is like, this is the meaning of life. Because it's always like, what's the meaning of life? And for me, that was it in the book. Like, you know, we, we're all spirit and we all come here to have a human experience get the experience mm -hmm. and then go back home. And I think when I was reading that as a young man, uh, it just really, really like amplified the belief in it and looked at things from a different perspective. So, you know, even our family, we all read that book and we used to just look at each other when things were going wrong and got blueprints, you know, that, mm -hmm. that we put that in. So I think from that moment moving forward, um, even though the trauma of my daughter's mum passing was very, very severe and such a shock, um, it, that that um, memory of reading that book was very apparent, mm. um, and it kept me faith in that there was a higher purpose and a higher power stirring this. And obviously, she was my soulmate, and she's all around me all the time. I feel it a lot. Um, and you know what? I'm very grateful to Graham, my cousin who crossed over, and to Joanne, first love of my life, for um, them stepping up on the other side to say, we'll, we'll play them roles for you. We'll put you in trauma 
And hopefully through that trauma, it's going to go on to help thousands of people's lives on the planet. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? Mm. And and what a story, you know, and where you are now from using that trauma and catalyzing it to then to do this work and to help as many people as you are. It's amazing. Thank you. So how can people reach you? Um, I have a website, uh, www.kevinmorris.co.uk. Um, there's there's a, a contact me button on there. You also have a, a phone number and um, on the website. And yeah, and I'm, I'm obviously on Facebook, Instagram, even have a little TikTok account as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that I like to delve into here and there. Um, but yeah. Okay, well, I'll I'll link that all up in case anyone wants to contact you and, you know, and even bring you to, if they're in whatever country they're in, if they want you to come over and, you know, attune some people in Angelic Reiki. What would you say before we go is the benefits of Angelic Reiki, like the top, the top things that people will get from that for themselves and for their clients? Yeah, so when I felt drawn to angelic reiki it was for my own self-healing journey you know to be able to channel the angelic kingdom of light and to help clear my own energy field but i feel even if you're a parent or you know you, you might not see it doing it as a business just to have any achievements i mean for you to have that gift of being able to help a loved one who's sick um i mean i always say if you put an angelic reiki healer in every household uh, throughout the planet, that the world would be a completely different place for the frequency that we hold. And, you know, what better than to work with the angelic kingdom of light? I mean, I think there's no mm. greater honor, really, than to mm. work for God's and, messengers. And use it on animals as well as children. And animals as well and children. Mm. Yeah, yeah no, that sounds amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you, Kev. It's been an honor having you on today. And, mm. yeah, I'll put all your details in. And if anyone wants to contact you, they can. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And thanks for everyone who's watching as well. Thank you. Thanks, Kev. Thank you for tuning in to the Genius Alchemist podcast. If this episode has ignited your curiosity or inspired you in some way, then I encourage you to subscribe and share with friends. For those that want to stay in the loop and be the first to know about future episodes, special offers and free resources, make sure to check out the link in the show notes. By joining my mailing list or reaching out through that link, you'll have exclusive access to all the latest updates and ways that you can connect with me. I look forward to sharing more inspiring stories with you all in future episodes.